Greetings, rare ones, and welcome to the Rare Birds Emerging Markets Podcast with me, your host, Joanne A. Hamilton. I created this podcast because I was curious to learn about the startup ecosystems in developing countries. The Rare Birds Emerging Markets Podcast is where you will hear me have unique conversations with early stage startup founders, ecosystem builders, innovators, and investors from across emerging markets. It is an opportunity for all of us operating in these countries to learn, share, and exchange experiences beyond our borders. Although complex and varied, there are more similarities than differences in the narratives. If you're new, welcome. Rare ones come here to gain fresh perspective and insights into what is happening on the ground from the people who are creating shifts and driving the action. It is where they can connect through stories which are distinctive, honest, and relatable. Thanks for listening in, and I hope at the end, you feel compelled to join our growing global community of rare ones. Hello again, and welcome back to series nine, education and adoption, blockchain in Africa. This is episode 181 featuring Ara Kawanzarua, and it's titled The Fourth Industrial Revolution and Blockchain. I'm really pleased to be able to reintroduce you guys to Ara. Ara is originally from Zimbabwe and Zambia. At the moment, she's based in Zimbabwe. She is my first repeat guest on the podcast. Yay for repeat guests. Um, now, I did promise you that I'd have her back for a second episode, and this is that episode. I've been waiting patiently for this to come around. Uh, the first episode with Aura was episode 142, and that episode was titled Finding Happiness in the Not-So-Ordinary. In that episode, Aura gave us her background story and shared with us her story up until where she is now but we never got into the where she is now. So I highly recommend that you pause this, go back, listen to 142, and then come back to this, okay? And then it'll all make sense. So a little bit about Aura. She is a multi-potentialite with a very, very broad portfolio. So Aura is currently the head mission of St. Anne's Primary School. She's the executive director and the co-founder of Africa is Digital. She's the chairwoman of the Aura Nicole Group as well. A few things about Aura with respect to her accolades. She has many, here's just a little bit of them. She's the 2019 Africa Science Week Appreciation Award recipient. And she received this recognition for her outstanding work and with sincere appreciation for her tireless efforts in using science and tech for the betterment of society. In 2018, she was a Zimbabwe National Chamber of Commerce Women in Commerce Award winner in the social enterprise category for little entrepreneurs. So to the gist, what are you going to hear in today's episode? In today's episode, you will listen into Aura share with me her very strong interest in the fourth industrial revolution and why this is important and connected to blockchain, what it means for her country, for Zimbabwe and for the wider continent, as well as her foray into blockchain itself, which began with Bitcoin. It is a fascinating conversation, and I promise you will enjoy it. So see you at the end. Greetings, Aura, and welcome to the Rivers podcast. 
Hey, Joe, I'm so glad to be back. Yes, you are back indeed. Second, second time guest, which is fantastic. You'll come again. You'll come again for sure. Good guests got to come back. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> it's nice that <laughs> Yeah, but this time you're coming to speak to us as a part of our blockchain um, in Africa series. And today mm -hmm. you're going to share with us um, your experiences with the fourth industrial revolution and blockchain technology, which I'm very excited mm -hmm. to, to hear your thoughts on. So welcome again. And yeah, let's jump in. So Aura, share with us yes. the work that you do. Beginning with the school. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, so yeah, like, like you said, my name is Aura, Aura Kawanzaroa, but, um, my students and my friends call me Miss Aura. Um, and basically what I do is I'm a school principal. I run a school in Harare in Zimbabwe. And I also uh, run a company called Africa is Digital or Afri Digital for short. And we focus on the fourth industrial revolution and its impact on African economies and communities. And we also do developmental work uh, in line with that as well. And I do a host of other things. Uh, I, I, I'm all over the place. I'm a creative. And I feel like my hardest and most important job is I'm a mom. So yes, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. And you have been involved with Bitcoin, which is um, underpinned by blockchain technology. And that's how you got into this, um, into this space in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So talk to us about your, a little bit more about your work with 4IR. Tell us sort of why was it created and what exactly are you doing? Okay, so um, what inspired me to sort of start uh, Afri Digital was mm -hmm. uh, I, at the time I was working as a journalist. So I was working in the information space and I've, I've been a nerd for a long time. So I was always looking for, you know, just edu more sort of informative content and before I asked something I sort of knew about, I knew about all the industrial revolutions, but before I asked was interesting because that was sort of brought AI to the foreground, augmented reality, all the really cool stuff that was happening sort of fell in line with what the fourth industrial revolution was all about. So in sort of doing research as a journalist, I kind of realized that, okay, you know what? There's a lot more to this than, you know, it's not enough to just write articles. I feel like there needs to be a deeper sort of deep dive into what, the fourth industrial revolution is especially in the African context and then narrowing it down into Zimbabwe at the time as well there was sort of a lot of trending it was, it was trendy to be talking about digital um, but I felt like no one really understood what digital meant because at right. the time digital was always just it basically referred to social media and having mm. a website and e-commerce and I felt like there was an opportunity to teach and to share more information and to learn as well from, you know, the, the, the few individuals and different organizations who really sort of knew and understand what 4IR was and what it really meant to sort of be in the digital age. Um, right. And that's sort of, that's what inspired, that, that's what birthed uh, Afri Digital. And it started off just as public lectures, focusing on different sectors. And we got into research, collating data and stuff like that. And, got into education and that's how we ended up with St. Anne's and, and that's sort of been the snowball effect of why 4IR and, and why Afri Digital. Right. So Afri Digital is in the 4IR space. Would you please um, give a brief introduction to our listeners of what exactly is the fourth industrial revolution or 4IR? 
So the fourth industrial revolution, I feel, is a lot is is a lot different to what all the other revolutions were, where it was very sort of tangible. You know, it was mechanical and and now computers. It was stuff that you could touch. For IR, I feel, is more developmental. So it's a developmental revolution, uh, focusing on what it's not just about the tools, but it's about what the tools can do. So that's your artificial intelligence, your blockchain technology, your augmented and virtual reality. Um, so I feel like the fourth industrial revolution is really more a mindset shift mm. than it is, you know, something that's like really tangible development. It's the way we think. The way we think is what's changing and, and the way we think is also being influenced by this, the rapid development of technology. So that's what the fourth industrial revolution, in my opinion, is. Right. Okay. Now, blockchain itself has been called mm. one of the, oh, the right. pillars of the fourth industrial revolution. Why do you believe that's the case? Hmm. What okay, is that's a hard blockchain? one. <laughs> because you know, like I, I, I always say, four IR is underpinned by by A, B, C, D, and that's you know, artificial intelligence, uh, blockchain, cloud computing, and then data, big data. But wherever you go, you always, and even moving into the fifth IR, you hear a lot more about blockchain, it seems, than anything else. So why why the emphasis on blockchain so much when it comes to four IR? What do you believe that is? I think because um, it allows digital information to be recorded and distributed. That's basically what blockchain does. It's, it's decentralized and allows digital information to be recorded and distributed, but not edited. And the reason I'm repeating that is because the basis of what 4IR is, and even 5RR, 5, oh, Gosh, five IR, mm-hmm. <laughs> such a mm-hmm. tongue twister. Um, yeah. but, but the basis of what it is, it's very, it's, it's all digital. So the reason why blockchain is considered one of the pillars is that it allows you to manage all, all this digital information that's now sort of growing at such a rapid pace. It, it, it's sort of a mechanism to allow us to organize that and be able to manage all the different aspects of what the four IR is. So I think, in my opinion, that, that's the way I look at it. I think that's why it's it's sort of it, it's sort of key to keeping us afloat because as much as you can have all this uh, great digital development and, and uh, all this data and everything floating about if there's no sort of system that has evolved to sort of manage the way we share and distribute data and give more power to people because blockchain is very decentralized so it's not owned by any government or any company anyone can do development in the blockchain space Right. It gives power back to people. So I think, and, and 4IR is very much about the people, you right. know, because even if you look at, uh, I, I know maybe I'm, I'm rushing a little bit, but if, even if you look at uh, cryptocurrency, which is built on blockchain, right? Yeah. Um, technology, crypto, cryptocurrency is, is people money, right? Um, mm-hmm. it, it allows people to, you know, take control of their finances and to innovate more um, and to come up with their own sort of, you know, digital currency. And so I, f- I feel like uh, without, without blockchain technology, you can't really push the fourth or the fifth industrial revolution forward because they're very people-based. Can't, you can't, um, blockchain allows, gives power back to the people, right? Because 4IR and 5IR are about the people. And so you, if, if we didn't have 
an evolved way of managing all of our information and managing all of the digital assets that currently exist because of um, uh, the, the fourth industrial revolution and, and, and what it's and the subsequent revolutions that are to follow. Because I think there's going to be more. I mean, maybe my daughter will be talking about the 10th industrial revolution. We don't know, you know. Mm. Um, but I, I feel like um, it's the reason it's become such a pillar is because if we didn't have blockchain, we probably need warehouses and warehouses full of machinery trying to compute. And, you know, it would be still very hardware based, you know. Yeah. Um, and I mean, not to say you don't need servers, et cetera, for that, but it just sort of makes it very decentralized. It gives people the, the power to innovate and to push the revolution forward because that's what, it, what, that's what drives any revolution, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's how people adopt, adopt the technology and use it to innovate and move forward. So in my opinion, that's why blockchain is such a pillar um, and, and why it's, it, you, you, can't, you can't talk about the fourth industrial revolution. You can't talk about any moving forward from this point onwards without considering blockchain. Right, right. Now, the first blockchain-based cryptocurrency, as we know, is Bitcoin. And mm -hmm. um, this is where I know you have a lot of your experience. So tell us how you got involved with Bitcoin. And by the way, you were on um, the Anita Pass show, which I will put in the notes so people can listen to it as well, because you were brilliant there. And Anita. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really nice, really nice. <clears throat> Thank you. Okay, cool. So, so my, my relationship with Bitcoin, I started off like most people did, uh, clueless as to what it was. I couldn't understand it. Uh, you know, I used to tell Anita, this is like monopoly money. In my mind, I thought Bitcoin was like, I thought it was like for money laundering. <laughs> I thought, okay, mm. this is like the stuff that, you know, you know, scammers use, you know, I mean, to, could, to steal like, your money. It could be used for that, like anything else, but it's absolutely. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. People should know that like any currency, even fiat is is, is going to be yes. used for, for bad things as well. But it, it's a different kind of currency we're talking about, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, I mean, in my mind, I didn't even see it as a currency. I just thought it was, I just, I didn't know what it was. I just hear Bitcoin and I just thought, oh, it's this internet scammer people like mm. i didn't even understand it as a currency i didn't understand cryptocurrency so at the time and that's been about i've been two years involved with bitcoin at the time it was um very uh alien to me but how bitcoin uh ended up changing my life and how i ended up becoming almost like a jehovah's witness of bitcoin yeah and I, I, I say that. that i say that with oh my god i say no that with insult. all respect no insult to the jehovah witness <laughs> listeners no oh. Here. I'm no, it's both. I, 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 oh, I I'm going to use that. I had the courage. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Knocking on, evangelists, knocking on people's door. But, 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 do you evangelism. have Bitcoin? I am here. You see. Spread it. <laughs> I am here to, I am here to teach you. I'm here to tell you everything I know because it really did change my life. So, <laughs> I love um, that. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, what, what happened is, um, my, the school that I currently work at, my school, uh, St. Anne's. It's a very old school, 72 years old, established mm. in 1947. And when we, um, when the lockdown hits, we got affected so badly that we had to shut down. Mm. Uh, we lost our school premises at the time we were renting our school premises. Um, so we lost our school premises. Um, you know, we were unable, we had to, you know, retrench stuff. 
we lost a lot of students because a lot of parents lost their jobs. So, you know, they just, you know, were like, well, <laughs> you know, that's it for school because, you know, we're all locked down and we hadn't, we couldn't see a way forward. We also weren't nearly prepared as an organization to start any kind of distance learning program. Um, you know, there was, there was sort of no contingency, no, no digital infrastructure um, in place that could allow us to do anything of that nature. So, so when it was pretty dire, the situation was pretty dim, which is what I guess I'm trying to express. And I remember getting in touch with Anita. It was just a, a random conversation. It wasn't actually intentional. I was just telling her what was happening. And she said, okay, you know what? Maybe let me, um, it was, her birthday was coming up in May. And she was like, on my birthday, I'm going to ask people, you know, to, to give donations to St. Anne's as a, as, as a birthday gift for me. So through Bitcoin. And at that point I was like, Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can they just send it on like email like, or something like, that I know? Like, Anita, are, are you sure? sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? And and in my mind, you know, we sort of in our minds, we just sort of thought, oh, you know, maybe we'll be lucky if you raise at least, you know, a couple hundred bucks, maybe you know, three, four, five hundred bucks. That'll be great. And my mind, that's where my mind was. I didn't understand what it was. Right. And so she put her call out on Twitter asking for donations for St. Anne's. Just the plan was just to pay the, the staff off and, you know, be able to close off our accounts and, and shut down our doors and find something else to do. And she managed through her call out, managed to raise, I think, close to 2000 US dollars, mm. which was one blew my mind. And I think the point where it became very real for me is when she uh, linked me up with the Bitcoin community because, you know, she'd come to Zimbabwe and gotten in touch with the Bitcoin community in Zimbabwe. And she got me in touch with the Bitcoin community. And obviously we needed, um, we needed fiat because in my mind, I'm like, oh no, we've raised all this money and it's stuck. It's stuck in this mysterious Bitcoin place. It's stuck on the internet and we can't actually use it. So yes, you've told me you've raised 2000, but I can't use it here, you know? I can't yeah. pay my stuff in Bitcoin. Like the, we don't even know, you know, I can't go into the shop and pay for food in Bitcoin. You know, right. I can't do anything. And she connected me with the Bitcoin community in Zimbabwe and I was able to get fit. And ironically, it's only once I managed to get it as hard cash did it become real for me. Right. Because I realized, oh, this is money. Went, this is currency. This is, this is value. This, yeah. is, this is real. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and the yeah. game changed for me at that point. My mind sort of switched. And we were able to, we didn't shut down, obviously, because we still exist right now. So we, right. we didn't shut down. Uh, we managed to uh, set up our distance learning program. We bought a printer. Um, you know, we're, we're very realistic. Not all our parents, you know, were online or had the money to suddenly buy data for hours and hours of Zoom lessons. Right. So we created a hybrid system. We bought stationery for every single student to sort of create the, the school environment at home because we understood this is now homeschooling. So, right. you know, we must assume that the children don't have everything they need in order to actually even learn at home. So some of the stationery we got was things like scissors, glue, pencils, mm. crayons, paper, like everything they could possibly need. And we printed out all their worksheets that they mm. needed to do the work using the printer and we started the program and St. Anne's was revived through Bitcoin. So for me, Bitcoin has, is a very, is, is a tool. I look at it as a tool for development. 
Right. Um, and, and that sort of became my perspective on it. And the more I started sort of using it and, you know, we'd get, you know, still get donations coming in. The more I started using it, the more I realized even just its value as a store of value yeah. um, and, and how, you know, it's ex- actually excellent for saving. So now we're at a point where even as a school, we buy Bitcoin, like with our savings, we buy Bitcoin just as a store of value. Yeah. So, okay, in the next three, four, five years, your heart will probably it. mean something more. Yes. Mm. <laughs> so, so, so that's, um, that was my experience. That was my introduction to Bitcoin. Um, and, and since then, you know, we do a lot more with it. I encourage saving, getting our stuff, because we don't have real pension, you know, things in Zimbabwe. And our economy mm. is not that great. We've got a lot of issues Right. So the banking system's not really trusted. So it's become sort of a tool, even amongst our staff within our community that we're using to sort of give power back and, and you know, help people gain control of their finances. Um, yes, in a risky sort of way, because Bitcoin is not, you know, it's, it's not like it's always going to be up all the time. Sometimes it'll dip. Yeah. But you, you know that it will always be that your hundred dollars will be a hundred dollars when you take it out, you know, and not that your hundred dollars becomes two dollars, which is basically what happened in Zimbabwe when, when um, a lot of pe- people's pensions were cleared out and they maybe had raised like saved a thousand US dollars, and overnight it was worth like five US overnight. Mm. Um, yeah. And and you know that that really won't happen in that way with Bitcoin, so. Yeah, that's. Uh, I hope I haven't rambled on too much. Not but, yeah, at all. That was, thank that you. That was my experience. No, thank you for sharing. That is quite the story, and actually, it's it's a good segue and a good setup for the next question I was going to ask you, which is that how um like how do you think Bitcoin can be used to ensure the continent of Africa as well as your country Zimbabwe doesn't miss out on the fourth industrial revolution. So like if you can give us some examples with Bitcoin. So for example, as you said just now that your staff are using it because they don't have pension funds and because you know everyone's recognized it's now a store of value. Could you give us some examples of how generally you think it can be used in your country in the wider continent? Absolutely. I feel like um, like maybe uh, going back on what I'd said initially around Bitcoin is, uh, well, generally for IRs is the people's revolution. Mm. Um, and for any revolution to sort of grow and be successful, there needs to be a lot of people working together. So I feel like um, generally quite a few African countries are quite locked in, in terms of like how money flows on the continent. Mm. Um, I will give you an example as to how I do work. Um, like for example, with Afri Digital, we've employed people in Ghana, young people in Ghana, graduates um, who are very young and innovative and doing incredible things. And mm. in order just to pay them their salaries, we pay them in Bitcoin. Mm. And because of that, our kind of like the, the innovation that then happens amongst the team, the diversity, the different experiences allows us to work together. So I feel like I feel like one definitely opens up avenues for collaboration. Mm. Um, we need it. You know, it, it, it seems really basic. But if I can have, you know, work on a project and develop something with someone from Egypt and someone from Libya and someone from from Morocco and Kenya and Ghana and South Africa, and we can all, you know, move funds around because money does make things happen. 
if, if we are able to utilize um, Bitcoin in order to develop ideas and solutions and innovations, I feel like there's, it's, it's, you get a much better chance of a successful project or product um, mm. as compared to just working with your peers amongst yourselves. So I feel like collaboration is key in order to really grow um, the fourth industrial revolution and just development on the continent if we can use Bitcoin as a way of getting a, a, a one currency that we can all use and that we can all sort of work with. So I feel like in that way, also I feel like developmentally, um, I feel like there's a lot of uh, work, there's a lot of good people. There's one thing that's really weird, uh, it might sound very strange, but I've realized Bitcoin people are very different. <laughs> uh, mm. Cryptocurrency people in general are very different as mm. compared to whether you're on Ethereum or Dogecoin, whatever you're using, mm. they're generally very open-minded and very solutions-oriented. They're, they're future thinkers. And that's there's, a different, there's definitely a different mindset. I mean, and I know it's becoming yeah. quite mainstream now, but sort of the original, the original peoples, yeah, there, there's definitely a yeah. mindset. Absolutely, yeah. The first, the first adopters, the, the people who are actually still even causing development within that space mm. you know i mean of course the goal is you know everyone should at some point have some kind of a, a coin or a currency or, or something mm -hmm. that you know be involved in the blockchain space but mm. uh, the development still is sort of pushed forward by you know the, the early adopters you know the the, the 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 originators and i feel like those people have a very different sort of mindset and i feel like we could do a lot of good on the African continent. Um, I'll give you an example. And this was, I'm actually stealing this example, but it's from Anita's um, podcast sure. where um, she spoke to someone from the Sun Exchange. Mm. And um, it's a solar project basically where, you know, they're putting solar at farms and then you can feed back into the grid. And while you're feeding back your power into the grid from solar, you're earning in Bitcoin. And mm -hmm. it becomes like an incentive. And that's beautiful because obviously things like electricity are very real problems, you know, on our continent. In a lot of countries, just electricity supply um, and, and just innovations like that. So I feel like developmentally, we could probably do a lot for Africa's infrastructure, a lot for grassroots communities. Also, because the beautiful thing about Bitcoin is don't, you don't necessarily have to be on mobile data or on Wi-Fi. It can even work offline, like through satellite. And so that means that, especially with innovations like Starlink, for example, let's say, you know, you've got satellites all over the world and being internet, whatever. As long as, you know, there's a satellite somewhere in the skies close to you, you can still, you know, participate on the blockchain. So I feel like um, developmentally, it, it removes a lot of barriers. Um, and we'd be able to do a lot for the continent in terms of development and infrastructure development um, and raising grassroots communities to not necessarily, grassroots shouldn't equate to poverty mm -hmm. because a lot of people say okay, a grassroots community means that there's poverty. You can still be based, you can still decide and choose that I want to be based, you know, out in the sticks and I want to be around nature and I want to be based here, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're poor because you still have running water, you have access to power and you have access to finances through the blockchain. So through cryptocurrency. So I feel like, um, I don't know whether, maybe I'm reaching, but I feel like it's hard to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
it's hard to verbalize exactly how because I guess I'm also still learning it I'm still trying to understand it but I do feel like there are ways that you know cryptocurrency can really revolutionize the way we evolve as a continent yeah through collaboration yeah yeah definitely definitely and i remember when we originally spoke about this when we were just brainstorming we talked about everything from poverty inequality obviously fintech which we all know is big across the continent because there's a massive amount of unbanked underserved people there um agro we talked about land uh healthcare you're doing it in education and i remember recently um having a conversation with um Abbas, who's also featured in this series about Somalia, mm-hmm. and he talked mm-hmm. about things like just um, citizenship and, you know, ensuring that um, using the blockchain to ensure digital citizenship, which will then mm. um, help to erode certain types of corruption and things that happen with voting. So there's like so much, there's so much that can That's be amazing. Done. Yeah. With, yeah. Um, with, with the blockchain. And like I was saying earlier, I think because blockchain is, is, is also a, a great, a new way to store data, I think when it's combined with artificial intelligence and, you know, like big, like the impact can be so much bigger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Then you or I, or or anybody else is is actually thinking um can you give us any are do you are you aware of any current use cases of the technology in zimbabwe i mean just beyond bitcoin like any other any use cases like sort of on the ground that you can share with us off the top of my head i won't lie no um Mm, so there's a lot of potential yeah, there's a lot of potential. I feel like there's a lot of people who who are working on stuff, but also it's kind of like very low-key. The mm-hmm. tech community here is like very, you know, sort of low-key or maybe un, you know, under underrepresented, should I say? I'm sure there's a lot of work, not to say that there isn't stuff that's happening, but they're generally very quiet. Um, and maybe don't get as much attention because a lot of people don't understand it. So it's kind of like swept under the carpet. So off the top of my head, I don't want, I don't want to lie because <laughs> it's yeah, record, but um, I'm not sure. But I know that there are people working on stuff, but I'm just not sure who's working on what right now. Yeah, and I think that uh, things are going to unfold slowly uh, in your country and across the continent. They already are. And there's going to be, uh, they're going to be a lot more, use cases, I think, um, with this uh, decentralized technology. And it's going to be uh, quite interesting to see how it all Absolutely. evolves and, and moves over time. Okay, yeah. so Miss Aura, a yes, last ma'am. question for you. As someone who is working, um, you know, Afri Digital, working in this space, um, what are your like what what's your sort of like what's your your vision what's your plan for for like your immediate use of the technology it could be bitcoin or beyond bitcoin some other use of the tech blockchain technology for mm-hmm. um afri digital specifically like where do you see it all going say five oh, years from now five ten years from now it's definitely going to be uh like a center 
Mm. Um, the goal, the goal for Afri Digital is to be represented in every single country, mm. um, and become almost like a research hub, like a hub for development with a lot of information. So we're just right now collecting a lot of data Good. on how how for our technology in whatever space it's been used, whether it's IR, whether it's you know AI or or augmented reality or blockchain like we're trying to collect as much information and research that mm. into to, to create case studies because i feel like in the next five ten years we're going to see a lot more dissertations a lot more sort of studies and, and things being done around the work that's happening right now on the ground the stuff that's not very shiny mm-hmm. you know a lot of the, the things that are happening are not polished it's not refined it's people trying to figure stuff out so i feel like um right now is the right time to be collating all that data to be really like collection collecting as much information as possible so in the next five years i see us becoming a de- developmental center maybe even a, a university who knows um but a space becoming a basically a space where people come to learn about how the digital space is evolving and also like practical tools um, that people can adopt in order to improve their work and their lives. So definitely a center of excellence of some kind um, mm-hmm. and definitely presence, not just in Zimbabwe. We, it is Africa is digital. So um definitely in a lot lot other countries if not everywhere at least in as many countries on the continent as possible um and working with young people by nature i work with young people but you know because of my job um and also generally tend to work with a lot of graduates people who are in university and students students like children um so i hope that afro digital grows with them they're my biggest case study um Mm. and and we sort of sort of watch how they interact with the world around them. And so I'm hoping Afri Digital grows with them mm. so that it's relevant for them because I'm not really trying to be relevant for folks. I mean, I am, but <laughs> for me, my focus really is more on the younger generation. And there's nothing um, wrong I feel with like, that. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. I think that that's, there's, that's definitely like uh, relevant and important. They're the future. So yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, definitely, well, with that in mind, um, and this is sort of more recently that, you know, this idea came to mind that we want to develop a lot more children's content, uh, not necessarily just cartoons and stuff, but just content that kids can understand, because right now, children who are like seven, eight, nine, ten know mm. how to code and have access to the internet unlike us where we only started doing this when we're now in our teens or in, you know young adults me now as an adult like you know i see learning to code and getting into all of that stuff so yeah but you know it's never too late to learn but it's definitely good for absolutely. them to start as young as possible absolutely exactly yeah so yeah that's that's the vision our eyes are on the kids and uh we we aim to be we're, we're you know, going to try and speak to everyone, but our real eye and passion is on the kids and be in as many countries as possible and have, if not the biggest library on this continent regarding anything tech or digital related. All right, folks, (laughs) until next time. Bye for now. Bye.
Thanks for joining us. This is an original Rare Birds HQ creation. It was produced by Rare Birds HQ and is meant for informational purposes only. If you enjoyed today's show, let me know by writing a review and do share it with your friends. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to receive the weekly podcast newsletters, weekly news, and of course, more podcasts. Do visit the website at www.rarebirdshq.com. Until next time, rare ones, bye for now.